Okay. And I, I pushed the button twice. So, so is it, does it say recording? It, is, it's, it always says recording, <laughs> even when it's not. This thing is the worst, by the way. <laughs> even when it's not recording, it's recording. Okay. Denver, Denver, I'm run. Denver, 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 I'm Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most politically diverse city between Romneyville and Obamaopolis. I'm Jared Jacang Mayor. Joining me today are co-hosts Joel Warner, Josh Johnson, and Ron Doyle. How's it going, guys? Good morning. Hi. Yeah. Hello, it's Joel. Fabulous. Hello. Oh, you, hello, Jared. You look you look a little pensive. <laughs> no, I was just waiting for for my own you turn to, own to say hello. I wasn't. I didn't want to jump into this. I wanted to wait. For those who are wondering, it's Joel speaking right now, and yes. now Ron is speaking, and then Josh is going to say something. Say something to the good people, Josh. I'm still warming. I'm a little slow on the uptake. Yeah. This <laughs> hey, hey, Josh. I heard that that amateur video film that you made of the Prophet Muhammad was getting a lot of play overseas. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of reaction. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't you, you haven't you haven't heard about wow. all the like attacks on embassies? Yeah, I've heard US. about that, but what does it have to do with me and <laughs> about, about it's the, your about, fault, Josh. About the it's amateur your film that you're making, the parody film about the Prophet Muhammad. It's, it's hysterical. <laughs> it's <laughs> He's going to put it on Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Comedy Central is going to pick it up. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, no fetus personhood in 2012. Why is Denver City Council voting both ways on swinger clubs? And has CU finally put the bag on Ward Churchill? So the first topic in the news was the fact that the personhood amendment uh, won't make the Colorado ballot in 2012 it uh, came down to uh, a certain number of signatures that uh, the proponents of this tried to submit to the Colorado Secretary of State. They said that not all of them were valid, and they were short by about uh, 3,000. And uh, the proponents have put together a um, lawsuit, but Scott Gessler says, nope, you're not going to be on the ballot. Uh, Joel, what do you How think How often this? is it the case that we agree with anything that Scott, that Scott Gessler, that Scott Gessler does. He does because well, he he has been our asshole of the year. He was yeah. 2011 asshole mm-hmm. of the year, and that's important. To know. Even more, so he better step it up if he's gonna if he's gonna win again. He can't be doing this type of thing. Yeah. So so you actually so you actually agree with his decision here to invalidate just, these signatures? I mean, just to me, every single thing about the personhood concept is stupid. I mean, beyond whether or not you're pro life, the the approach of going through personhood. For a freaking fetus. So, so you're saying it was good that Scott Gessler said no. Yes, we're not. Yeah. Going. Okay. I'm so, saying that. I mean, he. Do you I mean, love right Scott now, Gessler? Well, I love him a little more than I used to. Which, good. Which means that he might not be the next asshole of the year, which which I know is going to be a big disappointment for Scott. But the, the criticism against Scott Gessler is that a lot of the actions that he's taking are partisan motivated. He's been involved with re- Republican causes. Yeah. For a long time. So why? So why would he have shot this down? He. There was no way for him to well, have... Well, that's, that's a good question. So Initiative 46 would have amended the Colorado Constitution to extend protection of life to, quote, all human beings at any stage of development. This uh, was uh, actually on the ballot, I think, in 2008 and 2010. Yes. Both failed. And so they're taking another run at it. But this time it seems like Republicans, especially establishment Republicans, don't want anything to do with it. Sure, but how is it uh, Scott's discretion? I thought there just weren't enough signatures, you said. Well, he gets to decide, like, basically how many of the signatures 
He are gets correct. to set the num. He gets to set the number on how many. Are, how signatures do you how do you have correct. an incorrect signature? So they they turned in a list that was enough signatures, but then he goes through the and list and if says there's doubles yeah. and yeah. things if like that. If there's doubles, if there right, are dead what, people, so and again, dogs. again, it's not his discretion. I mean, there's there's valid signatures and invalid signatures, and he doesn't decide necessarily. Scott Gester seems to be the type of guy who doesn't always go by the rules to begin with. So I see I. I feel like if he'd wanted this to move forward, he would have found oh, a way. Okay. Yeah. I disagree. I think he's extremely sticky to the rules, especially when it comes down to numbers. He's he's very obsessed. I mean, this whole I mean, the whole voter registration issue. He he went through this whole process and really put a lot of political risk on the line for what it was like 150 people that might be invalid voters. Yeah, you're talking. That about, wasn't about numbers. That you're wasn't talking about, about his fear that or his claim that there are all of these non-citizens voting yes. here in Colorado and therefore sent all of these letters to them ominously saying that if they actually do go and vote they will be violating the law uh, and then in actuality it was a very small number but that but yeah mm. but that but that was a purely partisan move oh i i'm not disagreeing with that but i am saying he's very he always does seem to be obsessed with figures so you you think it's just that at this point the republican base basically has realized that this person thing is just not going anywhere because literally it hasn't passed because they're yeah, realizing they're going to so so in, in fact Joel, maybe it was a partisan move because even peop- even Republicans who are pro uh, or anti-abortion uh, look at this type of personhood amendment and say that this is a bridge too far. I mean, legally, what they're doing is, I mean, when you put this into the state constitution, I mean, it's not even a law, but a state constitu- in the state constitution that says that, you know, life begins at conception, you're having all kinds of implications beyond just uh, beyond just abortion. Considering Republicans don't want to take care of kids after they're born, but they're really concerned about them before they're born, maybe oh, snap! maybe uh, oh, snap! having declaring it as a person would mean that they wouldn't care about the fetus. Perhaps. <laughs> I, 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 I think they sort of realize that, oh, we're going to have to start paying Social Security death benefits to fetuses, to a, uh, kids that miscarry. Right. And that's oh, that's God. just a whole sticky situation. See, with the it, other, see, I think honestly, and see how I brought part, miscarriages into yeah, the situation just to wrong. bring it up. I notch. think another issue is that they realize <laughs> that the best thing they have going for them is if they, you know, is if Democrats do not come out to vote because literally, yeah, likely voters. Right. it's pretty tied between Obama and and, um, the, and all the all the issues Romney. around uh, women and yes. uh, reproductive rights being a huge issue in the in this presidential race and something that the Democrats are using, um, you know, talking about a lot and the Republicans are kind of running away from the issue. They're on the defensive on the issue yeah. of reproductive rights. So if, if they, so if they throw something down, that's a really big deal that will get more people out to vote, especially uh, liberals and Democrats, that will hurt their chances in Colorado. Mm. So oh, they yeah. the so that. People so, will so get so out it, to vote against it. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like and you're going back on your well. idea, Joel, that, that uh, Scott Gessler wasn't motivated by, by, partisan uh he's still an asshole he's still an asshole thank okay. god i was getting a little worried scott you will always be an asshole in me. your heart okay <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that there and move on to our next topic uh is five points blighted uh the denver city council recently approved a uh urban renewal plan for the uh a number of city blocks around welton street there in five points this is a stretch that we've talked about a lot our former studio uh so sad that we're not in it would our studio be blighted it it would be in an area that was considered blighted because in order to actually impose a urban renewal plan an area has to be 
under the legal definition of blighted. It has to be something so wrong with it that all of a sudden the government needs to step in to create this uh, plan. The residents um, around Five Points, according to a Denver Post article, had kind of mixed reaction to it. Some people said, well, this is a good thing. It's going to help us over, uh, you know, revitalize the area. Other people expressed a number of fears, uh, including eminent domain that the yeah. city will be able eminent, to do. Eminent domain, gentrification. Well, there well, are all sorts of things that could happen. I read that story. I read that Manifest Destiny. I read that story, and my response was it seemed like it was a story reaching for a controversy. It felt like, really, people weren't that fired up about this whole concept of eminent domain because it seemed pretty unlikely. It seemed like he went to a few of the old shopkeepers, and they and the guys were just like, oh, well, well kids these days, they're just not blah, 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 blah. It didn't seem like there was really a big uproar over this move. Well, uh, apparently at the city council meeting during the public comments section, uh, one resident stood up and, sa- and said that having someone call your neighborhood blighted is like having someone call your baby ugly. Yeah, right. Hmm. Well, if, you're, it's a personal, if your baby is ugly, offended. somebody should tell you. Or corn. If your baby is corn and it's blighted, then that would be that would be an insult. Yeah, corn? definitely. You wouldn't want to eat it. Blight is a reference to agriculture. So this wow. whole story has a problem with me. It's, that was like it's, a, that was like it's, a f- that was like a four H joke right there. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Yeah. That was a, that yeah. was a hick joke. No, it's uh, going out to our rural listeners. <laughs> <laughs> our, our listeners in Fort Lupton, that was for you. All right, no, uh, no. I the ver- the term is a reference to something that goes on in agriculture. So whenever I hear it, I always think, okay, this is a situation where they're saying there is a disease in this particular neighborhood, and I think. I don't know if other people in the neighborhood are actually aware of this, but that's the reason why I have a problem with the reference. But I've never heard uh, a, anyone in Five Points turn down additional funding to improve development there. Yeah, They've done and the lot. thing is, it, it, they're not going to use the tool of I eminent mean, domain unless something really crazy happens. I mean, basically, Denver still has PTSD from the last time they really used eminent domain, which is when they literally destroyed... Most of downtown in the 60s. Yeah, but, but isn't that why, especially within the African-American community um, and in poor communities, they have such a um, adverse reaction to hearing about blight and urban renewal because it is associated to the times in the 60s and 70s where that was used to essentially clear out entire neighborhoods, including here in Denver, of lower-income housing and, um, you know, put up a highway or clear it out and put up a park. I mean, that... That is their reference point. Sure, but I think most I think most people are smart enough to know that it's just part of the full language that they had to put down to get this funding. I don't think most people think that all of a sudden Denver's going to roll into bulldozers and bulldoze all of Welton Street. Like Chavez Ravine. <laughs> there you go. Is that a, a Ry Cooter reference? Is that another 4-H yeah, joke well, I didn't he, get? Yeah, Cooter did the – yeah, he did an album. Yeah. But that's oh, – <clears throat> I have no idea what either yeah. you guys are they, talking all right, about. All right, Chavez Ravine was, was – um, there were – Latinos living in yes. just basically a town, and they came in lit over the hill one day with bulldozers, wiped it out, and that's where Dodge Stadium. Oh, okay. is yeah, LA. where Dodger Stadium. Well, Dodgers, yeah. Josh, what do you think about the, this? It's like move it's like in Poltergeist the... when they went and they built a house <laughs> on the Indian burial ground. Such a bad move. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> I heard they used eminent domain for that. Josh, <laughs> is five if, is five points blighted? I mean, do you think this is a good move? Is is this going to result in us? In a, in, a, in a positive turn of events for that neighborhood and that particularly that commercial strip, which I think we can all agree is not um, not being utilized to its fullest potential. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. 
I, it's a fair answer. Way to say, it's really, it's way like, to take a stand, Josh. It kind of rema- uh, yeah. It's a it fair answer. It kind of remains to be seen, doesn't it? I mean, they. I mean, there's, there's they've the, been talking the about whole... ways to kind of revitalize this thing for decades. I I'm mean, not, I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I'm not a big a fan of gentrification. I like the authenticity of ethnic neighborhoods, which unfortunately tend to be a little lower income than right. They do. Um, but at the same time, maybe as long as like rents don't go up in property. Value stay consistent that there's it could well, develop I mean, this, this a, develop is, a community. This as well. is this is the strange thing about Five Points and that that commercial stretch right there. It's it's the one commercial district, old commercial district in Denver that has, um, or at least the most prominent one that has been sort of hermetically sealed over the past ten years as as other neighborhoods as as these other commercial strips that you know now have shops and businesses, independent businesses um, have have grown and sort of. Um, have a lot of uh, dynamics there. Five points. It's still an area that you know. There, what what actual shops are there? Or right. What stores are there? I mean, there's coffee at the point. There's um, you know, there's the Crossroads Theater, both of which were were built through kind of uh, city funds, yes. or city assistance too. But other than that, there's the there's the Roxy, which is maybe open like once a week before it closes for a few months, and largely it's a bunch of the people who own that business stretch they've owned the they've owned that um real estate of that property for 50 60 years um no one's really putting any more money into it there's no reason i guess in my mind other than the fact that we all still see five points and welton street is this historically black neighborhood that five points shouldn't be a place where there's restaurants and businesses and shops and and a a destination that we would all be going to like we go to any of these other places. There is a certain inevitability about it. I mean, you can feel nostalgic for five points in its past, but it's kind of like holding back progress, I guess. But Perhaps. I mean, you know, yeah. it's too close to downtown. The access it, it is, is great. People are moving ne- in there. It it's, is the next neighborhood to get changed like the Right. Homes. I'd but like to see it become the tech center, the new entrepreneurial young tech. That would be fun. But, I mean, here's the problem. It's not a matter of not enough resources necessarily going into Five Points. It's not a matter of kind of the urban development the forces and how they're playing out. It's largely, like, many of the problem areas in the city – it just depends on who owns the property. And as Jared pointed out, these same property owners ha- have owned much of this land for decades. And you can't force these people to make changes. They're just going to sit on it. And unless, they have. Unless you have the, the threat of imminent domain. I but mean, isn't the price that, is though? right? Even with sell. that, though? Yeah, I the can't believe they're not going to move doing that. that well. If they can get like top blue book dollar value for Welton Street Cafe, you know, and, then, and then retire. Welton Street Cafe is rocking all the time. That place is always busy. For I some of these people, it's it. not as simple as basic economics. These guys just have had this property, and they don't want it to be have a change. tax shelter. Yeah, yeah. Good point. that's a good place to play. Yeah. Up. Uh, so I know that probably uh, listeners out there, every, every single Denverite that's lived here for a long time, always seems to have an opinion about Five Points or Welton Street. So. Uh, tell us via Twitter at Denver Diatribe or on our Facebook page what you think about um, that particular issue. Next topic, uh, the Denver City Council approved a settlement with uh, the Swingers Club, Scarlet Ranch, which is on Broadway Street for about $42,000. It had to do with a lawsuit they brought where the cops came in and um, raided the <laughs> raided the Swingers Club. Uh, and we can kind of get into the details of that in a second, but the Denver City Council, uh, in in voting to approve this settlement, initially 
the first time they voted on it, uh, Judy Montero accidentally uh, pushed yes and no on the buttons. No, so she said she, she pressed yes and said no, or maybe vice versa. Maybe she so said she made, yes. She made a mistake. And pressed no. And so then they had to take a revote on the uh, on the approval for the settlement. And this is the this is the funniest line from the Denver Post article, how, how it keeps referring to how Judy Montero voted both ways on the issue of the swingers club. So, uh, so, so, uh, what do you, what do you guys make of this? Do you know about the, uh, the actual event that prompted this lawsuit? Yeah. What, what prompted no. the raid? So there was a raid and some of the members and staff, I guess, were roughed up by the cops. What was the motivation for the raid? Was it a panty raid? Yeah. <laughs> it, it could very well a be. A porky style panty raid. So, so first off this place, I mean, if you live in Denver, you've probably driven by it a million times. Oh, yeah. It's not on Broadway anymore. It's not on Broadway. Anymore. No, it's it's on um, Lakeland Drive in Littleton. Oh, yeah. yeah. It but, moved. It moved. Okay, like so maybe year it, so, ago. so it moved. But the, at the time of the at, at the, the time date of, of this raid, raid which was it was in on 2007, Broadway. it was on Broadway, right. kind of near Club 404, South Broadway. Um, yeah, I've actually been inside of it because I wrote a big uh, story about all the different. Swingers Club offerings. How deep inside? Um, yes. How deep? I went all, the way, all the way in. I went all the way to the. Did back. you go wrist deep? Oh my <laughs> god! Oh my god! Here we go. At least that, that is, that's actually, not a four H I mean, joke right there. That is not four H. That is if you're birthing calves. <laughs> There's no sign in front, right? And so you just kind of go in, and you have to know it's there. And you walk into this lobby, and it just looks like this kind of small office in the front. But then you go through this door. There's always a door to these places, and then everything opens up, and there's a uh, a bar there. There's this, like, dance, uh, big dance floor with this, like, uh, stage. And then you go – then there's a big wall. And then you go further into the back, and there was all of these, like, cabana beds. Champagne rooms. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, like, one big room, but there was just all these, like, beds. And some of them cabanas, <laughs> and there was a hot tub and a smoking lounge. Was there a salad bowl by the door where you drop your keys, and then at the end of the night you go grab a different no, pair no, of keys there and bowls, go home with whoever takes it? There were bowls of um, condoms and towels, and there was a guy there whose only job it was during, like, the really swinging nights on Friday and Saturday nights was just to, like, refresh the towels. He's um, the mopper. Re- yeah, mop, mop up spills. He's, he's the mopper. Um, the spills of what? The condom spills, bowl. spills of what? what could possibly Sp- spill? Salad dressing? Anything, anything liquid, Joel. Sailors. You can use your imagination. Okay. Sailors. Um, Seamen. But anyway, you know, a, a private, you had to be a member of this club, private business. Uh, and then I don't really know why, uh, the story doesn't go into why, what prompted the Denver police to actually raid right. this club. I know that it had gotten raided previously for things like fire code violations, so maybe that could have been the pretext for it. But what the uh, lawsuit alleged is that this was an unjustified raid by the police and that the police actually took a video cassette of the, of the surveillance camera that they have in there um, and took the uh, – stole the tape essentially – Thereby, and then negated. pass it around to everybody. Yeah, probably it's probably in in some uh, detective's drawer <laughs> yeah. there over sure at it on his hard drive. But yeah. took this up. Uh, but took the evidence that um, that they that the lawsuit alleged took place that um, or the accusation that police roughed up patrons and things like that. But anyway, rather than um, fighting this, the Denver City Council just said, like with a lot of these um, uh, police abuse lawsuits, just said. Just 
let's just give a payout. Let's just write him a check. That $42,000 is a lot of adultery. You can you can have a lot of adultery. That's Lots a lot of That's a lot of condoms in lube for $42,000. But, right. Ron, swingers, it's a couple's thing. I know it's a couple's thing. A funny story. Uh, there is another swingers club on South Broadway, and it's, a friend of it's mine— It's called Ron's House. No, that's <laughs> not my house. I don't live in South Broadway. That's not my head. Rod's, Ron's horny sex hut. Not <laughs> next to Radio Shack. I have two children. <laughs> <laughs> I have two children. That ended years ago. No, uh, it, my wife and I went to a friend was having a, bar, a birthday party at one of these places, and we didn't know it was a swingers club at first. Uh, uh, and we showed up a little early, and we were the only ones there, and they were all being very kind to my wife and sort of giving me the brush off. And now I sort of realize why. Uh, we actually wound up leaving before the birthday party, and I'm really glad. Wait, so you went to they the didn't tell anyone that their birthday party was at a swingers club? No, not at all. She didn't. That's... She was just like, we're friends with this place. And then later, like like six months later, uh, another friend of mine, he was like, you know that place is a swingers club, right? Huh. That seems yeah. like... But there wasn't any swinging going on. This wasn't a swing. No, there anymore. wasn't any actual swinging going on while we were there because we were there before everybody else showed up. And so, then does we that, left. so does that... Did that gross you out, the fact that you were... Um, no, I'm comfortable with it. I'm okay with it. How did your wife feel? She, she loved uh, it. I, <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to go back. Yeah. She was like, can we go she back? She was popular. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, a, not at all. Uh, we, yeah, we wound up leaving beforehand, and, and we haven't really talked about it much. She doesn't care. Okay. Uh, all right, listeners out there, if you have any Swingers Club stories um, or crude... Uh, jokes that you want to make uh <laughs> let us know on our facebook page twitter or at our phone number 720-282-YELL you can also subscribe don't forget to subscribe A subscribe please doing that you can subscribe days. yes joel joel you oh can God. subscribe how do you subscribe jared tell me more well you go to our website and there's Denver a huge fucking button that says subscribe and we have <laughs> Seriously, so many ways to do it. I, I get so many people like, subscribe. I don't know how. And it's I like, don't we, then we add, like, you know, there's always new devices. And then we add these, like, step by step things. I mean, we really just got to We've, make some we've grown a lot, too. You can open up almost any podcast app and search for Denver, and we're going to show up on the list. Or search for Denver Diatribe, yeah. and we will definitely pop so up. So iTunes is really easy. And also, you know, I guess the easiest way is just by e- uh, via email. So you just email, email is the best and you're way. able to jump on that. So uh, a word. Real quick from our sponsor, who our sponsor is. It's Illegal Pete's, the famous uh, local burrito shop locations in Boulder, Denver, and the Tech Center. And also, if you go to CU Buff Games there in Boulder, any football games, they actually this season are going to be having a uh, Illegal Pete's stand. They're serving Illegal Pete's burritos at the football games, which sounds awesome and also just like a potential. Are they going to launch them like they launched the T-shirts? Catapult? How <laughs> awesome would that be? That would be great. out of a cannon. I would right. go to a football game just to see that. <laughs> Apparently, the stand, uh, there are little places on the East East Concourse of Franklin Field. I don't really know. I would have eaten is. so many burritos. But that would be, that that would be like such a um, dilemma if you're there, this student, and you just buy this like beautiful, delicious $7 no. burrito, and you, you have this choice. Do I huck this perfect projectile <laughs> and slam it in, in some opposing uh, fan's head, or do I eat it? 
Disclaimer, yeah. Denver Diatribe does not encourage this sort of behavior. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, yeah, seriously, you would, you would have a hard time. But I would I be so excited. There's no booze at the game, so you wind up drinking oh, a lot yeah. before. It would be really good sober right food yeah. right away to give you fuel. That's probably you. why it's by the student entrance there. So anyway, let's take a quick musical break. Uh, this is local band, the Flowbots. They have a new album out um, called Circle in the Square, and this is the title track from that album. Take a listen. Oh, we're the circle in the square. All right, welcome back to the Denver Diatribe. That was uh, Flowbots with their song Circle in the Square. Uh, we have two more topics that we're going to go through right now. Uh, the first is how Boulder is has a proposal, Boulder City Council has a proposal to have a 20-cent fee I'm calling it a fee on all disposable bags. So we're talking not only plastic bags that you get at grocery stores and convenience stores, but also the paper bags. Um, we'll we'll get into some of the details about what what it is that they're actually doing. But what is your initial reaction, Josh? I hate it. I don't think it's. I'm gonna have to start buying garbage bags. Uh, I don't live in Boulder, but but I, I, if I, I had to pay for plastic bags, I would then have to start buying regular garbage bags because I use grocery bags as trash bags. Yes. yes. And that actually has um, been proven. I think it was in Ireland I read something where when they've uh, imposed a – it was either a plastic bag fee. It was a yeah, plastic right? bag fee. And they saw that the number of people actually purchasing plastic garbage bags for their small trash cans and things like that went up like 400%. Um, because and that, and that, those bags have more plastic. Than the the little grocery sack, but the super they, thin but they found sack. that over time, once people got used to the fee, then when they would pay the whatever, the, however many cents or wh- what type of currency do they have in Ireland? Is it a potatoes? Potatoes. Bushmills. Potatoes and a shot of bushmills for a plastic bag, and they saw value. In it. So then they were you know using those plastic bags. So it, I guess the the number of the additional purchases of bags. People just sort of gave in and started buying the bags anyway. But Joel, what do you think about this? Uh, is this, is this, I mean, clearly it's a, it's a definite boulderish thing. We're it not sure surprised is. that it's coming out of Boulder. Now, I mean, I mean, Boulder's not the first place. Uh, Washington DC has had a bag fee in place for two years now. And now there's talk about spreading it to, to the entire state of Maryland. Well, and San Francisco has a complete plastic bag ban, correct? They don't sell plat. Nobody's allowed to use San them. Francisco has had a Yeah, ban. which I mean, I have, I, have to agree, I have to agree with uh, Ron and Josh here. It just seems to be a bit excessive. I mean, yeah, like Ron, I use plastic bags all the freaking time. I mean, having a five-year-old, having another baby on the way, we're going to have so many, like, diapers. We need plastic bags. Mm-hmm. And also, if I get one more freaking canvas shopping bag, I'm not going to ruin my house to live because we have so many of these reusable canvas bags. But let, let's get into some of the reasons why – you know, it's definitely a bolder thing, but this these types of um, 
these type of ordinances are, are clearly spreading around the U.S. And the reason behind it is that plastic bags, especially plastic bags, cause a huge amount of pollution. I mean, what is in there? There's a there's a 200 acre flotsam of uh, plastic floating around the Pacific right now. Yes. These things, uh, you know, get dumped. They cause litter, throwing them in city streets. Um, there's all the petroleum that it takes to actually produce the plastic bags, and then also the paper bags. I mean, that's made out of paper. Incur- we could, I, do, do we all agree at least that people using reusable bags is a good thing? Yes. Yes. I, I think it's I'm good not pro be- plastic bag. Yeah. I just-, I'm just think that I mean I'm going to sound like a Republican. It's a bag tax. It is a bag tax. You know, it's it's it's. I don't think I think people should use reusable bags, but they should that should be their decision. They should. Now, one they thing, should want to do it because they understand that plastic bags are bad, not because you're going to get penalized. One of the things that confuses me about Boulder is that Boulder is one of the only cities in the country that has a a plastic grocery bag recycling program. Yeah, and right. uh, I'm wondering if this is sort of an indication that that program was a failure. Uh, the plat- the reason why these bags, why they make such a big deal about it is because they're almost impossible to recycle. You just can't – whenever they melt it down or whatever they do, it just turns into a gooey mess. All right, guys. So it sounds like this uh, plastic bag uh, fee or paper and plastic bag fee of $0.20 cents is going to be going before the Denver – or Boulder City Council, sorry, uh, here soon. And um, from reports, it sounds like it has the support. But let's go around the table and say what do we all think about it this tax on on bags in boulder run i i think peer pressure is more effective than a tax and they're wasting their time okay joel to be contrarian i'm gonna vote yes you're gonna vote yes yes you know you're voting against yourself yes i am well that is that is contrarian i disagree (laughs) josh (laughs) um i'm gonna be wait and see on this ultimately we'll see how see if it actually reduces bag usage if so cool if if not I was right all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that this type of fee, um, I'm not totally against it. I think that it can be, you know, work effectively. But like any well-intentioned policy, I would want to see how it's written and how it's implemented and that it wouldn't be just a complete clusterfuck. Uh, but what I will do is as soon as I um, – Uh, If I was on the Boulder City Council and voted in favor of it, I would go out and open up a business that sold uh, plastic doggy poop bags. Yeah, good idea. I like it. Yeah, because that's that's the only thing I really use plastic bags for and why when I'm at the checkout line, I will think about how few uh, bags I have to pick up my dog shit, and I will say, plastic, please. (laughs) So any – oh, you have something else to say, Joel? No. No. Okay. (laughs) I disagree. Thank thank God. Uh, so also in Boulder, have the CU and the CU regions finally gotten rid of Ward Churchill after all these years? It's Speaking of poop bags. <laughs> it's, and, and he hasn't been in the news in a couple years, and we've been missing him. We've been missing, we've been missing old Ward. But he, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court uh, ruled that the CU regents did have the right to fire him from his teaching position. I think they fired him way back in 2007. And uh, he has vowed, along with his attorney, David Lane, to take this all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court to try to fight for his job back. All the way to the top. All the way to the top. But, uh, Joel, what's your initial reaction to this um, to this ruling? And what the um, will this be the last we've heard of War Churchill? The bad news is that I think, no, it will not be last we've heard because one this is is ward churchill and two his lawyer is uh david lane and both these folks love 
to attract some more media attention, attention. to themselves. I so. really hope this goes all the way to the Supreme Court because I want to see what Samuel Alito says about Ward Churchill. I just want to see that you just want written to see down. That ruling. I want to that. see that ruling. I want to see his dissenting okay. decision or his supporting decision. I, I have a question. I mean, this whole thing is basically based uh, his firing is based upon the fact that he was supposedly was plagiarizing mm-hmm. stuff and making stuff up and whatnot. Has that did. Did Ward actually challenge that part? Did, did, I mean, is that I mean, has that been proven that that no. he did plagiarize stuff? No, he he hasn't tried to challenge that at all because his entire argument is that they fired him over the controversial things yeah. he was saying. He's in yeah. Class. So so uh, in two thousand nine, if you guys will remember, they did win a civil court suit in Denver District Court where they were trying to prove that uh, that. All the charges of plagiarism and all of those things were just a pretext. It was just concocted as a way to get him out of the CU system over the controversy generated over his writings about 9-11 and little Eichmanns and things like that. This actual uh, Supreme Court ruling, they didn't even really deal with any of that. They were just looking at whether or not the CU regents had the ability to fire Ward Churchill. And it was kind of an interesting ruling because what they said is that – what they determined was that – the CU regents have a, quote, quasi-judicial immunity. So in that way, they're almost like judges. Right about at this point in the podcast is when our recorder decided to stop doing its job and completely die. Hi, everybody. It's Ron. I am in my uh, mother and father-in-law's basement uh, in rural Kansas, uh, finishing up this episode so you can know what happened. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, while we didn't know that we weren't actually recording. We kept talking about Ward Churchill. It's a pretty interesting discussion. I ended up declaring him an American hero. So didn't really expect that, but that's what happened. Uh, then we moved on to love and hate, as we always do. Josh loved on a Jersey Mike's sandwich uh, that he says makes him feel like he's back at home. Joel loved on uh, the video arcade 2-Up. And specifically, he was loving on uh, the four-player Pac-Man game, which he uh, said is truly magical. I hated on Frommers, the uh, travel guide company, uh, because they published a list of the world's best cities for drinking beer. And even though Hanoi, Vietnam was on the list, Denver was not. Screw you, Frommers. And then Jared loved on an internet video uh, that he found uh, in his research for the DIA conspiracy files.com uh, that connects Jay Z and Little Wayne to the Denver International Airport conspiracy. Apparently, there are special lyrics in their songs that uh, create a portal to another dimension or to the Illuminati. I don't know. And yeah, that's about that's about it. Should I should I do the outro? Are you? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, that's all the love and hate we have for this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. You can always listen to episodes on demand by subscribing to our podcast. For more information, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com, or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, for all of my co-hosts that are happy back in Colorado, thanks for listening. Have you heard the birds, not the words, Denver, high average.
large income, roll like big spenders, affordable housing, good money lenders, low obesity, no need for 